What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Welcome once again to Geek Live Vibe Interview. I'm your host, Martin, and today we have the privilege of talking to a multi-talented actor, director, musician, and vocal performer, Fred Berman. Fred has appeared on Broadway, television, and recently directed the one-woman play, Trans Am, starring Lisa Stephen Friday. Uh, of course, I know him from his narration of over 250 audiobooks from uh, Podium Publishing, including my uh, favorite writer, Lindsay Berker, and her Star Kingdom series. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome Fred Berman to Geek Five Live interview. How are you doing, Fred? And thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How about yourself? How are you doing? Oh, doing good. Uh, yep. Uh, of course, unfortunately, I don't have to work today. Got to go back to work tomorrow. But uh, that's why this all worked out perfectly for me. Uh, okay, let's start from the beginning. Uh, when exactly did you realize that you wanted to be a performer? Was that at an early age? And was being an actor always your aspiration? Um, yeah, I think in the beginning... I think in the beginning it was more geared towards filmmaking. I thought it was the, the idea. I mean, like most uh, people my age, Star Wars was a, was a huge influence. And uh, I mean, I saw that I was five years old when it came out and then I was just became obsessed with the movies. And so I think there was always something in the back of my head that thought, okay, that's the world, you know, somewhere in there that, you know, now we, we know the storytelling and fantasy, but that, that was sort of what got uh, me into it. And then, in fact, I was actually just out to lunch with one of my oldest friends in the world, Damon. And, and um, we were just reminiscing, you know, we, we grew up making movies all the time, starting with Super 8. And then, you know, when the, the, the big giant, you know, on the shoulder, of, uh, you know, VHS cameras came out, we were making movies all the time. So that, that was always, that was always a part of my life. And then, and then I started to get into theater when I was in junior high school, I mean, I did plays in elementary school, but you know, you're sort of forced to do it. You don't really have a choice. Um, but uh, my mom sort of nudged me into it once we got into junior high school. And I was like, all right, this is fun. I like being on stage, but it, I didn't feel it as a calling. And then around the time of my junior year of high school, I started to, I was hanging out with some kids who were a little older than me and, and, and one or two in particular really started to introduce me to like Scorsese and De Niro and, and that this whole other world of filmmaking and, and art that I, I didn't really have an idea about. And, and that was around the idea where it really sort of, that, that, that was around the time where it really took hold for me. I remember watching Taxi Driver and uh, that, that was the movie, which is sort of a, a strange movie to be obsessed with. Um, that, that could have some weird connotations. But uh, that was a movie that I watched and I remember going, huh. And I took the VCR out, the, the tape out. And I said, no. And I put it back in. And I rewound and I watched it again. And that's when the, the idea of 
what it really means to be an actor sort of took hold and thinking, oh, there's a little more to this than I thought. And around that time, originally I thought I was going to go to school for, for communications and filmmaking. And that was around the time when I, I thought, no, I think I'm being pulled in another direction. And so I went to school for theater and that was really where it took off. So, I mean, so you've done uh, off-Broadway plays and things like that, but then let's say about 10 years ago, you finally get Broadway. You got yeah. the, uh, the Lion King. I imagine, especially now after 10 years, that was disappointing when the COVID thing just kind of ground everything to a halt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, no, it sucked. It's like, you know, anyone, I mean, it's a, not just for, uh, I mean, everyone's going through the same thing, which is, which is such an interesting, that's fascinating in itself, because I remember years ago when, when, you know, when the economy tanked, the, the big, you know, uh, real estate bubble burst, and a lot of people were losing jobs. And it, it was, you know, an awful time for a lot of people. It didn't really affect me because I, I was so, and a lot of me and my friends, because we lose jobs every couple months, you know, every time a gig is over. So I didn't really get it. People were talking about it. Like, this is awful. I'm like, I don't, I, I just lost a job. I'm going on to another job. I'm not diminishing it at all. So it's interesting now. I mean, not interesting. I don't wish it on anyone, but everyone's sort of in the same boat where everything stopped. Right. Unfortunately, thankfully for other people, things are coming back and people are able to work. Um, for theater, it's, it's, we can't do it. And, and unfortunately I was just talking to my buddy earlier, like, I think theater is gonna be the last thing that comes back. Um, just cause it's the hardest logistically, it's going to be the hardest thing to navigate. So yeah, that was, that was rough. I mean, I remember being in the theater and, um, I tend to get, I think the movie, <laughs> the movie outbreak, uh, screwed me up years ago. And, uh, when I saw that, so I've, I've always had this fear of, of, uh, pandemics, and uh, like d disaster movies in general, you know, my friends would always give me shit. They'd be like, what's your, what's, what are you most scared of? And I said, uh, an asteroid hitting the earth. And I think they <laughs> thought I was joking, but I'm like, no, 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 it, it could happen. I've seen enough movies. So when I started to hear the news coming out of China, I really started to get a little worried. And my friends were sort of, you know, giving me crap about it. And then when it happened, I think we all thought, well, it'll be, you know, a couple of weeks and then we'll all be back in the theater. So I mean, I was just saying, my, I've been back in my, this is this is my dressing room. I've been, that's been my office for the last 10 years. And I haven't been back in it in, in over a year now. And it's, you know, very strange. So I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little more optimistic, but uh, I, I, I really hope that theater comes back. I want it to, it, it will come back and it'll come back strong. And I think people are craving live entertainment and that release and that catharsis. So but yeah, it's of course now. Of course, the the advantage you have, of course, is that you you got other things on the hopper that you do. Uh, I think recently I noticed that you directed a play, uh, Trans Am. Oh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that was that was great. That was one of those wonderful opportunities that that came out of such an unfortunate situation. Uh, it's sort of a long story, but I'll try to condense. That's all right. You, you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my best friends in the world, um, uh, Lisa Friday, is uh, uh, Lisa came out as trans several decades ago. I mean, well, she's always been trans, but she came out to me uh, years ago. We were when we first met. We I was doing a show called The Buddy Holly Story, 
and it was about Buddy Holly. And I was I played Jerry Allison, the drummer in the Crickets, because I'm a drummer as well. And I met another actor, Steve Friday, who is the bass player. And we became very close. We did a national tour. We lived together. We were roommates. And we each had separate bands at the time. He had the Steve Friday band. I had my own band. And then somewhere along there, Steve sort of sat us down as a band and said, uh, I want you to meet Lisa Jackson. And because he had been dressing up and, and as a woman. And first it was sort of introduced as I, I, I think I might be transvestite. And we said, do you want to do drag? No, I just, I like wearing women's clothes. It's, that was sort of just the, the, the tiptoeing out. And, but really she has been trans her whole life. So, so this, this was back in the late nineties and she's made a full transition since then. And we played in a band together uh, for many years called Lisa Jackson and Girl Friday. This is, it all, it started when she first transitioned and, we had a really uh, a great following here in New York. And then we broke up. We didn't talk for 10 years. It was, you know, classic cliche rock and roll stuff. Anyway, uh, we've been back in touch for a while now. And she, right before the pandemic, Lisa was uh, supposed to do a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch in Washington, D.C., where she lives right now. Right. And her theater got shut down. So they were trying to figure out some things they could do. And she... She started to do a little writing and she she wrote uh, sort of like a one woman cabaret. She did it. And then when it was coming to the fall, the theater said, hey, we want to do a virtual rep, try to bring theater back. Uh, and I don't know whose idea it was, but the idea was, would you be interested in, in um, you know, expanding this and turning it from a cabaret into a show? And uh, thankfully, and I'm very grateful for her, she said, yeah, I want to do it. And, and I, I want to ask my friend Fred to help me and direct it. So, um, you know, just because we have so much history together right. and it was great. So, you know, I was here in New York. Thankfully, I had all this free time and she was in D.C. I was here, you know, Zoom was becoming a thing at that point. So we did the most of the majority of our rehearsals, you know, just like we're talking right now. I went down. She came here. We rehearsed a little in my basement. I went there in the theater and they did. We did a, a about a month long run of it virtually and it was great. And we, we were actually just talking yesterday, you know, we're already making plans about, you know, how, where, where it's going to go next once theaters start to open. And uh, it, it was, it was very, very exciting to go through that journey with her and uh, to have it, to see it fully realized on the stage. So that, that was a blast. And it was really my first time I directed, I directed things here and there. I directed some stuff years ago, but this was the first time in a while and to have like a full production team behind me, and uh, it, that was great. It was really one of the most fulfilling experiences I've had. And, you know, thankfully, again, with this unfortunate experience, it was nice to be able to, to create something new and exciting. And, hey, and, I, and I thought it was cool that you were streaming. Like you said, you were still kind of carrying on. Uh, and uh, of course, the minute after I learned about it, I went ahead and looked up the group and saw a video. Uh, in fact, you were in it playing the drums. Yeah. Uh, it's good music too. So. Uh, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. We're trying to, you know, we 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 broke up before the age of Spotify and everything. So right. now people, you know, we we always have people being like, "Where where can I find your music? Where can I find your music?" And we're like, "Oh, well, I guess we gotta <laughs> we gotta get it all out there now," you know. 
but, but I thought it was very interesting. Like I said, all the stuff I learned just after you agreed to talk to me, I said, oh, wait a minute, let me look up and see what else do I know besides uh, reading my favorite books. Uh, but, uh, okay, so speaking of that, um, you know, because like, of course, like I said, you've been doing both voiceover and narration work for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, you've done video games, you've done animated series, and of course, you've done book narration. Is there a different, uh, what's involved in each of those? Is it very similar or is it different? Um... I mean, the, the audiobook narration is the most difficult because it's it, there, there's so much material. Well, no, I should say <laughs> the video, video games can be pretty difficult only because there can be a lot of screaming involved. It can be very taxing on your voice. And actually the union sag after they, they, they really went to bat for actors on that. I think it was a year ago there was a strike involved and in, in really trying to get more protection for actors because I remember when I first started doing it, I mean, they're, you know, especially in the more, some of the more violent video games are like, all right, you know, you're dying, you're being shot. Okay, now you're being thrown off a cliff. Now you're being blown up, you know, so it's like different screams <laughs> for all these different scenarios. So that's tough just in terms of that. But the audiobook narrations just, you know, especially, you know, if it's, if it's a lengthy book, you know, you're in the booth for, you know, it's, it's a full eight hour day. And, and you're also, what's challenging about that is, you know, usually as an actor, when you come into any project, you're playing your role. You know, you're one, you're, you're this part of the story. Um, so, and where do you fit into that story? When you're an audiobook and when you're doing an entire book, you're telling the whole story. So it's, especially if it's, um, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into it, you know, looking up, am I pronouncing everything correctly? Uh, especially, I, I just did a, a book about World War II, fascinating book called War of Shadows about, the war in the Middle East and oh, but oh my God, it was just pages and pages and pages of notes getting the pronunciation because you, you know, you don't want to screw that up. And I've done that before. I think every audiobook narrator has finished a book and been like, oh my God, I mispronounced something, you know, and you got to go back and, and um, or, you know, someone will, some, a listener will get in touch with you and be like, hey, great job. FYI, <laughs> you miss it. Oh my God. So it's that, and then if it's a work of fiction, like with the Star Kingdom series, um, you know, just, you know, it's not just one character you're doing as I would in a play or in a film or television, it's all the characters. And so it's, it's, it's a great challenge. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's, it's a great, it's a really big responsibility. And it's also, you feel really responsible to the author to make sure you're telling their entire story so I want to make sure that I'm doing them right. And also, especially if it's, if it's a series or a, a beloved author, you want to make sure that, you know, you're doing right by the fans. I mean, you're never going to please everyone, but so, um, so there, there, there seems to be, there, there's a lot more, uh, I feel a lot more pressure when I'm doing the audiobooks than with some of the other stuff. And I didn't really think about it like that. So, has there ever been a book that they offered you to do that you it kind of intimidated you either by the subject or by some by how much personal connection you might have had to it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the above. Um, I mean, there are books. There's only I've never. I, I there's one book that I turned down, I've, which I've never done. I've been very very lucky that knock on wood that I, I of all the books I've done there's never been like a real in my opinion there's never been something that I'm like oh my god this is horrendous like I've been able to find something really interesting and fun about all the books which is I'm very grateful for um 
there's only been one book that I had to turn down just because there was some stuff in it that I didn't feel comfortable. And, 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 and not, not much turns me off, but there, there was just some, it, it was, it, it was, uh, it, there was some stuff that I, I found a bit racist and I was like, I, I just didn't feel comfortable. Uh, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Um, but so that was one instance, but yeah, in terms of being intimidated, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, I did Charlie Kaufman's first book, uh, Ant Kind, which is, um, I'm a huge Charlie Kaufman fan. And I was thrilled to get the opportunity to do it, but it was terrifying as well. Cause I thought, holy shit, it's, it's Charlie Kaufman, you know, and I know there are other huge Charlie Kaufman fans and I don't want to mess this up. Um, and you know, when I've taken on series, especially, especially like science fiction series, I know there's such a, you know, the, the fans are, are so, or, or I did the Walking Dead series. Right. That, which I loved because I was a huge fan of the show and the comics. Um, but it, it was, it was very intimidating because again, I don't, I don't want to mess this up. Uh, you sort of have to throw that out and say, look, I'm, I was hired for a reason. I, I've got to do, not everyone's going to love it. Um, and I just got to dive into it and make the choices what I feel are, are correct. So yeah, there's, there's always, there's always an intimidation. My, my friend, Oliver Wyman, who's also a wonderful audiobook narrator. Uh, he always says, you know, the, the scariest part of any book or any, you know, part of work is chapter one. And he's absolutely right. That moment when you first start and you go, oh God, this is a minute now. Um, yeah, there's, it, it, it's, it's always intimidating. I think I wasn't sure, like, it's like you know, I was looking through the list of books you've done and you know, I saw the one on Robin Williams. I'm thinking that would be intimidating to me, especially someone who that's what they did is they did voices and things. Uh, yes, so thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. You just brought back all those, those emotions of being intimidated. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it's funny. I actually had uh, the, uh, the opportunity to talk to Dave Itzkoff. I have a, a podcast that I do with some, two of my best friends and um, it's a movie podcast called Opening Weekend. And we were talking about Good Morning Vietnam. And I thought, huh, let me, let me see if, if Dave would want to talk about that. And, and I got in touch with him and we were talking about that. Uh, my, my buddy Jason, who's one of the co-hosts of the podcast, brought that up because he read the book and he thought, wow, I didn't realize because there's a lot of, you know, quotes and, and stuff from his material. And he thought, oh, my God, like, did, did you have to do Robin? And Dave and I were talking about that, how it was, you know, when I first got offered the book, it was that that was something that really scared me. You know, what do I do? Uh, you know, I don't I and, and Dave mentioned that was really on his mind as well. And where we, he was happy that, you know, myself and the producers found the, um, the you know, uh, we, we, we found a nice place for it where, you know, I, there's no way you can't imitate Robin Williams. I mean, you can, but I, I didn't think it was going to work, but there's a cadence, but you also can't just read it completely straight because there's a cadence that he has and everyone knows the Robin Williams cadence. So it was just, finding that fine line but it was very scary because once you as i was saying to dave and and the guys on the podcast once you start doing it you start to fall more and more into robin's cadence and i was very worried about i don't want to go too far into it because then it just might sound ridiculous right. um but you still want to honor his genius and how he 
delivered these, you know, this this material. Okay, so um, of course the main reason that I originally got a hold of you is with Star Kingdom, uh, because I'm a big fan of Lindsay. Like I said, I I talked to Lindsay in September of last year, and oh, cool. you know, we talked a little bit about the audio books, and she said that she didn't really have a whole lot of say in who read her books, but she said, you know, podiums never let her down; they've always been really great, and especially in your case, oh, cool. uh, and. One of the things I noticed in, in how you read books, of course, I was going to say at this point, I've only listened to the Star Kingdom series, is you do women's voices a little differently than most people, most males I've heard, is you don't sit there and try to raise your pitch or anything. You just kind of soften her voice and then give whatever accent that she talks into, talks into which I actually found very soothing to the ear. I mean, it didn't sound like you were straining uh, to do a female voice. Uh, is that your normal approach when you're dealing with a female character? Yeah, usually. I, I mean, I was I I was very very lucky that when I first started to do audio books, I started right off the bat, and I started about fifteen years ago. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Right off the bat, I was working with some really wonderful directors who, right in the beginning, sort of gave me a template of, of how to do it and how to approach it. And thankfully... In my opinion, it was the right way to. I mean, there's no. Everyone's got their own way, but right. for me, it, it worked. And they they mentioned that, you know, because I said I remember in the first, the very first book I ever did, I wasn't really sure, you know, how do I approach the female characters, and and I knew instinctively it didn't seem right to suddenly, you know, do like this crazy high pitched voice. But they said, you know, just maybe just raise it up a little bit. Just think thinking of it with different inflections. And what I always try to do, and I, I think helps, and I do this with every character, but it especially helps with the female characters is, is I try to cast the characters ahead of time, whether with, you know, famous actors, you know, actors in movies or, or TV or with people that I know. I'll say, okay, this, this, this character is, you know, my neighbor so-and-so, this female neighbor or this teacher that I know. And you know, or Judy Dench or Angelina Jolie or whoever, I'll put it in my head, who would it be? And then I won't necessarily try to imitate them, but I have that, that feeling already in my head and body. And, um, you know, I won't necessarily, unless it's like a really particular accent, I, I won't necessarily practice it beforehand. I like to just go on instinct sometime. I'll just start and see, you know, the nice thing about recording audiobooks, you can stop and start. So it's right. not like theater, like you just go out and do it and then that's it. Everyone's watching it. So if it works, great. If it doesn't, I say, all right, let's go back and try it again. But I, I like to, to do it very instinctually and see where it goes. And so again, it's just sort of taking the idea of, okay, I'm not going to impersonate, let's say Judy Dench, but that's who I have in mind. Let's see where that goes. Um, and again, it's one of those things where you never know. I've had people who, who really, they enjoy it like yourself, thank, you know, thankfully. Right. And then other people who wanted, they want something different or they don't want any voices. They want it completely flat. And it's, it's also from book to book. 
you know, finding how far you can go. And, um, but, you know, for me, it's mostly trying to just tell the story as honestly as I can without getting too distracting with crazy character voices. Um, you know, depending on the book, sometimes it, it calls for that. Uh, but obviously I'm not a female, so, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I want to portray the female characters as honestly as I can without turning it into a caricature. Right. Uh, of course, now my favorite character in this book is Kashmir Dabrowski for obvious oh, yeah. reasons. Uh, you know, he's basically me. Uh, <laughs> he's a five eight. Uh, I'm 57 years old, and still talking about comic books yeah. uh, and uh, you know different medical ailments. But giant heart doesn't want to uh, hurt a soul, uh, and you bring all that out. Uh, oh, and okay. some of the my favorite lines in the books is when Casimir is just, you know, like toward the end there, where he's getting all giddy about thinking of Princess Haku, and you bring it out in your voice. Uh, and I laugh every time I listen to it. Uh, and I, in fact, right before we started talking, I played it for my wife and she started laughing because he, he sounds practically like a guy that knows that he's dating kind of out of his class, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, she uh, she's going, going for him anyway. Yeah, it's... That, I mean, yeah, you're right. Casimir, he's the heart of those books. And that's what I found, you know, when, when Podium first, uh, you know, got in touch with me and asked me to, to do them. And, you know, when I, I read the first book immediately, I was like, oh, I know this guy. Same thing. You know, I was like, oh, okay. He, he's, he, yeah. And I love that he's, he's the eternal optimist and he gets excited about, you know, He's got these loves and electronics and comic books and and robotics and he's got giddy is the perfect word. He just gets giddy about that, you know, and he talks a mile a minute and he gets nervous. And I, I, I think, uh, yeah, there's I can definitely relate to to that as well. And it's, it's also refreshing to see a character like that in, you know, in a, in a, in a science fiction adventure uh, series. And that, that's what I love about these books is, you know, you look at the covers at least and, uh, you know, uh, you know, on face value, it's, it's like spaceships and things blowing up and adventure. And there is all that, but it's really just about geeks in space. It's about smart people, you know, using their brains and their humor and their compassion, you know, to get, and, and that's what I really love about the writing. It, it really Yes, there's there's excitement and there's adventure and there's battles and there's fights, but those are almost pushed to the side. It's really like the minutia of, you know, the science and 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 all the little things. That that's what sort of takes the forefront uh, in 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 this series, which I really like. And and Casimir's, I, I love all the characters in the book. They're all a lot of fun for me, and I'm and I'm really happy. There's never a character, especially as I got you know, to the last book through the series that you get to and you go, oh no, I forgot that I voiced this character this way. I have to do it that way. Damn it. I wish I can go. Like, I'm really, um, I love all the characters. I'm happy where the places I found for them. I feel like, especially with the series, with any book, when you start, you know, you'll start a character here. And by the end you find, you know, after recording a couple of days, their voices change a little, things change a little bit because you've grown with them. And especially with the series, you can make that like I love. Um, I don't know if you watch WandaVision or if you're yes. an MCU guy. Definitely. We, we do a podcast every Saturday night. Oh my it. God. 
I mean, my my family and I are we're huge into the MCU. You know, that's that's our right. thing. And I love how they're making comments about you know Wanda's accent, how it sort of disappeared. And that's what I love about Kevin Feige in the MCU. They're not afraid to retcon things. They're they're not afraid to say, okay, this was good, but we're going to change things up just a little bit. And that's sort of you know with a series, you tend to do that as well. So that's changed. But I'm but not so much with this. I really enjoy all the characters. But Casimir's always been my favorite because he's like when I I'm like, oh, I just have to talk like me. He's just me. When I get when well, I see, get excited actually, about something. That's actually why I wonder. I actually wondered said, so when you do Casimir, are you just doing bread? <laughs> yeah. uh, because, it's uh, like me it's, talking about, you know, comic books, you know, or or the you know, the 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 last rush tour that I saw or whatever it is. It's like I take that excitement of the things that make get me excited, like I'm I'm getting now and i put that into casimir so that's why i appreciated that character i was like oh i know how to do him i get yeah, it yeah and, and it's funny that you said that because that was going to be my one of the next questions is you know when you've done an eight book series and maybe to say there's a year in between book seven and book eight do you have to go back and remind yourself okay what how did i do those characters because you know i've been doing other things since then you know i love characters but i need to go back and listen to see exactly what how i was handling these each of these characters so i don't as you say so i don't screw it up because, uh, yeah. you know, again, fans will be the first one to tell you if that's not what that person sounded like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With this one, thankfully, and again, knock on wood, I've always been able to retain character notes like that from book to books over long periods of time for, the, for like the main characters. I do take notes. Um, I had a really, really scary experience with this series where, you know, I do everything on my iPad. I have a program called I Annotate. So I keep, it's, it's all there, it's all digital. And I keep all my notes and I save them in a Dropbox. Something happened when I up I updated I Annotate and I lost all my notes for the first couple books. I was like, oh my God. And for the main characters, it wasn't a problem. I remembered, but there were a few that come in and I'm going, I think I did it this way, you know, so luckily podium, I, you know, I, I got in touch with podium. I was like, uh, I, I'm going to bind here. Can you send me the original? They have everything. So they sent me some files and I went back and I listened. There was a great instance. There was another series I did um, a wonderful writer named Morgan Rhodes. And uh, she has a series called the fallen kingdom series that I did. And uh, it was very like a uh, sort of game of Thrones for young adults, fantasy, really wonderful series. And um I became, I got in touch with a woman who had, you know, like yourself was, uh, you know, read, you know, listened to the audiobook series, got in touch with me. We became friendly. And I remember the same thing happened. There was this one character that I thought I made a note about and I went back and I'm going, oh my God, there's no note. Where is it? And I guess I just never, I assumed that character would never come back, but it did in sort of a big way. And so I, I sent her a message. I said, Hey, do you remember by chance, did I do this character with a British accent? And she went back, she listened to it and she totally saved my butt there. Um, but yeah, that's always, that's always a fear when a book comes back, just thinking. And so now I've gotten good with it. Now I always assume with every book, I, I, I always assume there's going to be a sequel somewhere down the line, even if there's not, just to make sure. Excellent. Okay, well, I'm almost done here. Uh, let me ask you this. If I were to play you an audio clip from Star Kingdom, could you tell me who the speakers were uh, as far as the narration goes? Let's give it a whirl. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, and just so we're clear on this, right before I talked to you, I got I called uh, Podium. They said this was cool. I could do this. Oh, awesome! I love Podium. <laughs> yeah, so they were they were great. They were actually. I said, hey, you want to review some more stuff? So we'll get to that. That's <laughs> okay, great. So. Have you managed to have your coffee date with her yet? We played video games and had fizz up in my apartment. His goofy grin grew even wider. Romantic. It was. I found the game in which an outcast botanist saves a space habitat from a sentient plant taking over through the ventilation system by finding a way to communicate with it and establish a symbiotic relationship between the human and the plant. I bet that's a bestseller. No, but she liked it. She said she would send the creator grant money for educational games. And then she kissed me. On the cheek? No! That's Casimir and Kim. Yeah, I say uh, every time I listen to it, I laugh because I'm <laughs> so excited. Yeah, and I love that. That was always fun. I mean, and it's all how Lindsay wrote it, but just the uh, you know the juxtaposition between those two characters and and how they speak uh, was was always a lot of fun. Just how it was written too, and then to be able to sort of come up, you know, to 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 voice them and. Kim's sort of just flat monotone. Right. Still, you know, still yeah, she does deadpan heart. better than anybody. Oh yeah. She's it's, they're such great. They're all such great characters. I mean, it, I was really, I, I was, I was really sort of bummed when the series came to an end. Hopefully there, there's more to come, you know, in, from, from what Lindsay talking about, especially, you know, like in the main, in the main event, uh, you know, kind of a She's going to be doing some more books in that series uh, because she said this was really popular. Yeah, I agree. That would be great. Yeah, because I, I, it was a great one. That was one that uh, I, I always look forward to. And Podium is the best. I mean, they, God, it's, I, I really, uh, I, I enjoy doing work with them. I said, well, I know they were really nice about me asking, and I didn't, really didn't expect them to get back to me that quick. Uh, they're well, they're they're a Canadian company, so I just feel like they they have to be nice. They're Canadian. <laughs> I mean, they they really are. I mean, right from the moment we they got in touch with me about this series, I'm like, oh my god, you you're the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, said uh, yeah, said um, they said yeah, get it, let us know when we're, you're gonna put it on, and we'll spread it ourselves cool yeah they're great no i've i have nothing but but great things to say about podium and i'm I'm so grateful that uh they they have me as their you know in their their roster of of narrators and actors there because they're great and i love the I think, uh, well i think that's what sold them because i told them i was interviewing you and said oh we love fred yes oh, that's, <laughs> that's good to know yeah they've, they've given me some really great series to do so it's it's a lot of fun who's this Greetings, my sexy laser. Strange things have been happening at Forsetti Station. Are you still out there? Yes, and I'm in a little trouble. I don't suppose you have the power to order a bunch of soldiers to leave my ship alone, or even to order them to get some chickens on a stick in the concourse so I can slip away? I'm displeased to hear that you're in trouble. Unfortunately, my own status is nebulous at the moment. As a disgraced knight in exile, my ability to give orders and have them obeyed has lessened of late. Yes, Bjarke and Bonita. Bonita. Uh, Bjarke, yeah. I always, Bjarke was always fun for me. I always pictured like Brian Cox <laughs> doing that. That was, a, you know, it's like this randy older guy. Um, yeah, Bjarke was always fun. 
and the uh, twist and, too. And of course, uh, you know, no offense, but you you do pompous really well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Let me let, let me find the other one now. Yes, sire. Rach is working with the astro shamans against us. He's damaged my ship greatly and doesn't seem to care that we've damaged his just as much. Call him off, and we'll help get the astro shamans off you and drive them off our planet. Figure out a way to get rid of him, or you'll be as dead as the rest of us. Help us, and I'll grant you a pardon for your crimes. That's Jaeger there. Yeah, I said, uh, there's always a character in Lindsay's books that I just want to eject out of a uh, airlock. And uh, Jaeger was actually, this particular series has got a bunch of them, but Jaeger was one of them. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he was always, uh, so I remember when that went, and it, and it morphed a little bit, but in the beginning, again, in, in terms of like how I was casting them, I kept thinking Ben Mendelsohn from like, you know, Rogue One. Yeah. Onita? What is going on? I was hoping you could tell me, she murmured back, the footsteps in the hall still audible. I had the most dreadful experience. With no warning whatsoever, all of my systems were shut down and I lost all awareness. The power went out. It was terrible. It sounds the same as falling asleep. You remember that, don't you? Vaguely. Why are there soldiers stalking through my corridors and banging on my walls? Does this have something to do with you crouching in the freezer? Yeah, well, v I mean, speaking of WandaVision, that's, uh, you know, Vigo's Paul Bettany there. That's uh, <laughs> that's Vision. That's the, your very own, you know, uh, yes, Jarvis. Right. Jarvis right there. That's a, he's funny that, uh, right, it was basically like going to sleep, but I guess that in a thousand years he hadn't remembered what that was like. Yeah. Uh, but the... Uh, that's all I got for you. Uh, you got anything new coming up down the pike you want to talk about? Um, well, like I mentioned earlier, I've been doing this. I mean, it seems like everyone's got a podcast now, but that's been sort of my, the thing that's been keeping me sane uh, this, this entire uh, pandemic. Uh, I, I have a podcast that I started with two of my best friends, Jason O'Connell and Dan Matisse. It's called Opening Weekend. And um, we started that right when things started. And um, we go back, my, my, friend Jason has always had an encyclopedic knowledge of you can name any movie and he can tell you exactly when it came out like the, the weekend the month the year so and we would always go see movies together so that's sort of the premise of the podcast is that every week we go back to that week from a different year and talk about the movies that came out and we talk about the movies but it's really also just about like where we were and it's it's really been fun and therapeutic and nostalgic and we've been having a blast just going back i mean over the last 40 some odd years um so we do that we every week um with website openingweekendpodcast.com we're on spotify and itunes and apple music and it's 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 really a lot of fun so i've been doing that um the you know more audiobooks coming up thankfully you know it's uh um i have uh what did i what did i just finish although i don't know if i can actually talk about them never i never really know you know what books i can talk about until right. until they come out but that thankfully has been been keeping me very busy uh being able to do the audio books from home which i was very just very very lucky that i had a setup already so once things shut down you know, I was able just to to keep doing that, you know, from uh, from my closet and then to a, an actual booth in my house. Um, 
And uh, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, hopefully we'll be doing more things with Trans Am, which should be good and, and getting out there. But um, right now, yeah, the big thing that's the thing that has been, you know, I've been having the most fun with has been opening weekend. That's been really great. And just being able, it's been, you know, like I'm, I'm sure you can relate to, you know, with, with, with your podcast and, and, and uh, what we were talking about with WandaVision, it's just, it's fun just to hang out with your friends every week, you right. know, and, and, and talk about the stuff you love. And I was saying like, well, we hang out more now than we did when we could see each other in person. Right. It's, it's, it's been, it's, that's, that's been every week I, I look for, like we were recording an episode tonight. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. He said, uh, well, if you ever, you know, get him, I'm not sure exactly why you'd be, why you'd be sitting around the house at eight o'clock on Saturday night, but if you do, uh, he said, we'll be talking about the last episode uh, then. Uh, heck, said, no, you, definitely. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, said, if you, you want to check it out, let us know. We'll let, we'll, we'll let you in. Said, we've, we've got a, uh, pretty much anywhere from, you know, eight to 10 people that will come in there, depending on, you know, what, how uh, busy people are. Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun, oh, and wow. we're going to continue to do it. Uh, you know, once uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out, we'll start talking about them. Um, just you know, we got a whole bunch to look forward to, so we're going to be uh, talking about it all. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate it, Fred, and uh, we look forward to uh, following what you got going on the next time. I said, and, and yeah, by all means, uh, give us a call. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. I really appreciate you reaching out and. And like I said, I love the website, so I can't wait to keep exploring it more. All right. Very good. Well, you have a good one. Thank you. You too, Martin. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.